The Messages, a podcast of First Baptist Church of Laurel, Maryland, teaching you to love God, love our neighbors, and love the nations. Here's Pastor Brent Brewer. We're actually in a series on Proverbs, and uh, it's great to have you. We're actually going to finish up Proverbs today, and uh, hopefully it's been a blessing to you. Darren just read for us, if you want to take your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 20, and uh, we'll be there in just, in just a moment. I wanna start off this morning by showing you, uh, showing you a picture. Uh, not that picture, we'll get to that picture later. That picture, yeah. Uh, I wonder how many of you would, uh, how many of you would like to uh, live in that house? You're like, no way, man, no way am I moving in there. Uh, here, here's the point that I want to bring out right at the beginning of the sermon. Um, people would not move into a house that, uh, was not architected, but they'll live their entire life with a life that's not architected. In other words, you and I would never move into that house. I mean, it's kinda shaky. It might fall to pieces, but yet we don't actually have a life plan. We haven't actually architected our life to be set up where God can bless us the most. You know what we tend to do in life is? We tend to get like really, really busy in life and we don't take time to really pull back and uh, work on our life. So uh, this sermon today, as we conclude our series on Proverbs, is gonna be very practical today. So if you are one of those people who like to color code your shirts in the closet, how many of you like to do that? Those are God's choices people right there, all right? And uh, if you like to do that like this, this is the sermon for you. And if you don't like to do that, then this sermon's gonna drive you nuts. And uh, I'm gonna get to watch it firsthand as you squirm a little bit. Uh, I have two main points I wanna make today. The first one is this. Uh, I wanna talk to you about the law of seasons. All right, the law of seasons. And this is where Proverbs 20, verse four comes in. The slacker does not plow during planting season. At harvest time, he looks and there is nothing. So ultimately, in farming, this is when you plant, there's a harvest, and if you don't get this right as a farmer, guess what you become? A former farmer, right. You become a former farmer because you need to understand the seasons. Uh, here's another verse that's gonna help us look at this idea of seasons. Proverbs 6 says this, go to the ant, you slacker, observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator, or ruler, it, uh, it prepares its provisions in summer, it gathers its food during harvest. In other words, we all know what ants do besides get into our picnic food. What they do is they store up food during summer because they wanna have enough to eat during the winter. Once again, this is the law of the seasons. So the same God, right, who made the physical world, uh, also made the spiritual world, he made us to live in both realms. And uh, you and I, we can learn a lot about how we are to architect, how we are to organize ourselves just by looking at how God created the world. Like he has built it seasonally. And wisdom is this, wisdom is figuring out your season and living within that season. That's what wisdom is. So your seasons come in three categories. We're gonna look at all three briefly this morning. Uh, your life has seasons, your year has seasons, and your week has seasons. 
So here's how it goes. Uh, it goes, when it comes to, to learning about how to architect our life, it goes from the macro, the big picture of our whole life, uh, down to the micro, the first thing that you are going to do when your feet hit the floor tomorrow morning. This is the law of seasons. So I just wanna ask you as we start out this morning, like what, what season of life are you in? And I'm gonna put a bunch of seasons up there, and this is pretty much everybody that'll be in this building today is in one of these seasons. Well, not everybody, um, because the last season, hopefully there's nobody here like that or won't become like that by the end of the sermon. Um, and that's death, by the way. Um, so these are, these are the seasons. Uh, baby, uh, there are gonna be babies here uh, that uh, will be in our, in our building today. And uh, you know, not trying to be difficult or anything, but a baby really doesn't do much for themselves, but they require a lot of time and energy. And so there'll be babies here, and then there's this other season of life after baby is, is where it's, it's a child. A child starts to do things for themselves. In other words, a child can go get themselves a snack. Uh, hopefully, a child can do some chores. And as they get older, they enter that next stage of life, which is, which is young adult. That's that uh, awkward transition of adolescence. You're not fully grown. You're not a child. You're in tra transition. So you get a driver's license. Uh, you get a job. You graduate from college. And then after that, you go into the next stage of life, which is adult worker. You get a job. You go from being a baby where everyone took care of everything to now you are responsible for your own life. You start to architect your own life. This is why many people at this stage, in the adult worker stage, move back in with their parents, right? Like, I really, I really like phase one because phase one, it's a lot cheaper and I don't have to take all the responsibility, and uh, my mom can still cut the crust off my sandwich, right? Um, those were the good old days. Now, you and I need to understand, we need to accept whatever season that we're in. Then the next season some of you will enter into is being married. Now there's two of you. It's not a completely new season. I can't just do what I want. I have to consider what somebody else wants. Then some of you will move from the married season to the parent season. God blesses you with children. True or false question? This isn't a trick question. Children change your season of life. True or false? Oh, yeah, someone's like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, some of you are single. Write this down. Enjoy it while you can. All right? Kids are a gift. Uh, once kids come, the season of life changes. They don't care what's on your schedule. They got their own schedule. You're gonna live life by their schedule, not your schedule. And then, uh, this is like the stage where I'm in. I'm in the parent stage, and hopefully in the next couple years, I'm gonna be in the empty nester stage. Bless God, all right? Um, so empty nester stage, uh, kids leave, they drive off, they get their own address, now you are an empty nester. Now, I just wanna say this about this stage. Uh, you do this right, you can have better dates. Yeah, amen. Because guess what? You're probably not as broke as when you were first married, all right? Uh, but a lot of couples, a lot of couples experience conflict during this stage 
because what, what held them together were the kids, not the relationship between mom and dad. So when the kids leave, the relationship goes out of orbit because it didn't have the right center. And then some will move into this stage, the caretaker stage, Parents get a little bit older, you're looking after them, your concern was your kid, now your concern shifts to your folks. And then, some of you are in this room, your grandparents. You like being a grandparent? Yes, they say over here to my left. Um, you know, being a grandparent like looks awesome. I have no idea what this is gonna be like in my life. Hopefully I'll get to be a grandpa sometime. You know, some of you don't maybe agree with some of the things that I say, but I think I'm gonna be an awesome grandpa. Like, I got this all figured out in my mind. Like, we, we feed them, and we have fun with them, and we do stuff, and then we're like, go home, all right, go home. Um, I think I'm gonna be awesome at that, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that, but not now, okay, not now, all right? Um, and then some of you are gonna move into this stage, or the retired stage. Uh, that's another life transition. Some of you are gonna go to the widow stage, your spouse passes away, you're a widow or a widower, life has changed. And then the last stage of life is the dying stage. Ultimately, you're nearing your finish line and some of you are gonna be soon going to be home with Jesus. So I just wanna ask you this morning, like, what is your life season? Here's what happens. Great pain occurs when we don't accept the season we're in. Some people say this, I miss being a single. All of a sudden, we have kids. I preferred when we didn't have kids. Or our kids left home. I wish our kids would come back. Those were the good old days. You and I, we need to accept and enjoy whatever season we're in without longing to go back to the previous season. Those seasons are over. In addition, don't rush ahead into the future because it's not yet time for you to be there. How do you know when you are changing life seasons, it's usually accompanied with a major life transition. You get married, you get divorced, relocation, widowed, a child dies, a parent dies, a job change, bankruptcy, illness, all of these things indicate a different season of life. And what people do, because we are, are really creatures of habit, we do in one season what worked in a previous season and it no longer works and we wonder why. Well, that was for that season. This is for this season. You know, in the Bible, in Luke chapter two, it says this, that Jesus Christ, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. What that means is at every life season in the life of Jesus, he was mature. In other words, like when Jesus was 12 years old, he was mature. When he was 24 or 32, he was mature at those ages. And as we're looking at it, what season are you in and are we acting in a way that is godly for the season of life that God has us in? So that's our life season, does that make sense? So we got a life season. Then we also have an annual season. And I want you to think of it this way. I want you to think of it like uh, the United States of America, like we're founded on a constitution. What's the constitution do? Well, it helps us to have government and it helps us make decisions. Now, most of us, uh, we don't have a constitution, so every day we are making personal decisions and we aren't sure why. What I'm talking about here is architecting your life 
purposefully, intentionally, according to God's priorities. Now, believe it or not, like we think as a church staff, I do all the time, about like the annual seasons that happen in church life. So I've got a graphic for you. Um, This is something I think about often, and um, we kind of put this into visual form this week a little bit. Um, So you see the orange is holidays, yellow is school breaks, we got the months all around the outside. you know, we think in church life about seasons. So, for example, we're coming up on Easter. You see April, there's a school break coming. Hooray, hooray, right? Uh, we think about um, Easter coming. Easter is like the largest Sunday, obviously, in church life here. And uh, you got some things there in, uh, that you can pass out, some more on the back table. We hope you'll invite lots of people. We want this to be the biggest Easter we've ever had here in a long time. We're, we're really aiming for 1,000 people this Easter. That's 1,000 souls, and uh, we wanna encourage you to invite. Well, anyway, Easter's coming along, and then the next thing that happens in May is Mother's Day, and something happens every year in our church after Mother's Day. The attendance goes like this, and it's that way May and June and July, but here's what's strange. August 1st, the attendance really starts picking up. Why is that? People are relocating to our area, military people are coming in, government workers are coming in. In the last church I was in, it was the second week of September, things got kicked off after Labor Day, not this church. This church is August 1st. August 1st, it's on. We have to get people connected, we've gotta get people plugged in, we need to get them in missional communities, like it's on. And so uh, August 1, like that changes how we think about preaching. So that means like August 1, not that since I'm the greatest thing here since sliced bread, but August 1, I better be in the pulpit. And I better be introducing people to our church through the month of August. So no vacations for me in August right now, all right? Uh, It doesn't happen because I need to be here. Then what happens is we keep building, 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 and then Thanksgiving comes and Christmas comes. And as soon as Thanksgiving comes in church life, guess what happens? Everybody leaves. And then what happens here for me, it's remarkable. For Christmas, Eve, Christmas, most of this, uh, in church life, this is like the largest time uh, besides Easter in church life. It doesn't happen that way here. What happens here is all of you leave, all of you go back to your families, and all the people who grew up in Laurel 30 years ago show up. And so for the month of December to the first of the year, I have a whole new church, all right? And, and bless you, some of you young couples, you do this, bless you for doing this. You'll leave the middle of December. We won't see you till February, some of you, all right? So, you know, it doesn't snow that much in Maryland, right? But anyway, you get to be with family, bless you for doing that, I'm happy. But we have to think like this. Uh, this is kind of our annual season that we have to think about in, in church life. Why do I bring that up? Because we cannot live and you can't live according to God's priorities without a plan. Now let me say this because I love you. You can either make excuses or you can make plans. Those are the two ways you can exert your energy. You might say, well, why don't I have it together? Why don't I ever get my life together? Because you don't have a plan. You haven't sat down and actually thought about a plan for your life. So there's, there's life plans, there's annual seasons, but here's the third thing I wanna talk about, weekly seasons. Your week has rhythms and routines as well as mine does, but I wanna give you mine, all right? Here's my weekly routine. Some of you wanna know what I do. Uh, I'm gonna tell you what I do all week. Here we go. Uh, If you haven't noticed, Sunday's for me, kind of a work day, all right? 
Uh, Sunday night, I have meetings, um, and so I'm usually working all day till Sunday tonight after pastor's coffee. Um, tomorrow, sermon prep. I will work eight to nine hours on my sermon uh, starting tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. Uh, and then Tuesday, I have individual staff meetings in the morning with individual staff members. I do vision development. Tuesday at one o'clock, we have uh, our senior leadership meeting, which we do usually once a week. That lasts to about 3, 3.30, and then it's service prep time. I go through every step of the service, the music, the scripture reading, all of it, make sure it's all in line. We're all ready for the following Sunday. I leave here at six o'clock, get that done. Wednesday morning, back at sermon prep. I work at sermon prep to about 1, 1.30, uh, and then I teach a Bible study here on Wednesday night. If you don't attend, you should. Um, Wednesday night, so I prep for my Bible study from like two o'clock to five. Bible study happens at 6.30, that's my Wednesday. Thursday, I meet with all kinds of people in and out of the church, uh, leaders in this church, people that need visits, uh, but I also meet with people out of the church because I wanna make contacts with people outside of church, build those relationships, that's what Thursday is. Friday is sermon prep again. Uh, in the morning, I try to work on the previous Sunday's sermon, and then the afternoon's meetings, visits, writing, reading in the afternoon, and thinking about future sermon series. Saturday morning, like yesterday, I go over my sermon every Saturday morning for an hour, hour and a half, I pray, and then I work through every aspect of the service, like who's reading scripture, and who's singing, and who's standing up, I go through all of that. Uh, Saturday afternoon and evening, I Sabbath. Um, I try to take off, except last night I don't because we have a missional community that meets in our house twice a month, so that's my Saturday night. Now, saying all that, these are my weekly rhythms. Now, this is like nobody gets really sick, nobody passes away where I have a funeral, none of that, that kind of that uh, begins to take the weekly rhythm out of rhythm. But I wanna be at as many church events as I can. I try to be at home four nights a week, Family is very important to me, and despite all this, some of you already know this, I'm, I'm in seminary, taking a seminary class right now, and I also do that at night. I also wanna work out twice a week, so I need to put in my schedule time to work, I need to put time in my schedule to organize, and I need to put time in my schedule to rest. So can I just ask you, what's your weekly rhythm like? What's your routine? What's your season? You see like how all of these things work together. Like what season of life are you in? What does your annual season look like? What's your weekly routine? All of this is working together toward a common set of goals. So that's the law of seasons. Here's my second point, fits in with this, the law of planning. The law of planning. You need a plan. How do you make a plan? Some of you have a plan for your retirement, but you don't have a plan for your day-to-day -day life. Some of you have a plan for your career, but not your spouse and kids. Priority starts with the people who are at the top of the list. So here's what Proverbs 12:20 says, deceit is in the heart of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. What he's saying here is this, the demonic realm and evildoers, they are making a plan to hurt you. So you need to make a plan to overcome their plans. I'm not saying your life is gonna change instantly. Sometimes God does that supernaturally. Sometimes it takes time to like undo bad habits, bad expenditures, bad commitments. But God wants you to have, at the end of this verse, 
peace and joy. Not a perfect life, but a peaceful and a joyful life. Many times our pain comes from the fact that we don't have a plan. So people will come to me, they'll come to you and say, I'm in so much pain, help me with my pain. Uh, But my question to you is, do you have a plan? No, I don't have a plan. Well, maybe because you don't have a plan is why you're experiencing some pain in this life. Proverbs 21.5 says this, the plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit, but anyone who is reckless certainly becomes poor. So don't just make your plan, be diligent to work your plan. Now what happens here every January, every January people make what? New Year's what? No they don't, they make New Year's lies. Right, they aren't making resolutions, they're lies. I mean, you know, like here's what they do, like this year I'm gonna get fit, and so January 1st or 2nd, uh, what's the gym look like? It's packed. January 15th, it starts peeling away. March 15th, back to normal, right? Um, people say, well listen, I'm gonna make some changes, then we default back to our habits. See, it's the diligence of working the plan. This could be like your fiscal health, your spiritual health, your, your, your physical health, your relational health, whatever the case may be. Now look at Proverbs 16.3. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be established. What's he talking about here? He's talking about having a plan to meet with the Lord. Studying the scriptures, praying, seeking wise counsel. Then God will bless the plan. Sometimes our problem is we make a plan We hand it to God and say, God, bless that. And God says, I can't bless that. I can't bless something that's not my plan. So the beginning of the plan should be saturating, bathing the planning process in the prayer process. Like we should be praying about our plan. So that leads me to this question. What then are our priorities? See, once you understand your life season and your annual season and your weekly season, okay, I have to make a plan to deal with the pain. The next question is, what are my priorities? And here's what I wanna teach you today. There's a difference between values and priorities. Okay, let me explain to you what I mean here. Values are what you wish you did. Priorities are what you actually do. Values are what you wish you did. Priorities are what you do. You know, a lot of people have values that aren't priorities. Now, some of you will say something like this, I value marriage. Uh, Do you invest in your spouse? You're like, not really. I value my children. Do they know you? Like, I know they know your name, right? But they, they know you as a person. You, some of you would say, I value generosity. Well, how's your giving? You're like, not so great. See, a value and a priority, what's the difference? Values are what you wish you did, priorities are what you do. See, until it makes it on your schedule and into your budget, until it makes it into your life, it's not a priority, it's just a value. So what should your priorities be? Thank you for asking. Proverbs 1.7 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
Beginning meaning first, like this ought to be the beginning of all of our priorities. Your relationship with God is your first priority. See, until that relationship is good, nothing else will architect and organize itself. So first priority is God first. Not work first, not kids first, not you first, God first, amen? All right, it's gonna get more convicting in a minute, all right? I just had to get, bring you along a little bit. And God says when he's first, this ought to help some other things. So God wants us, first of all, to be a healthy Christian. God wants you to be healthy emotionally, physically, spiritually, working toward wellness, so you bring the blessing of God to others. So that means prayer. That means time with the Lord. That means reading my Bible. That means journaling. That means silence and solitude with the Lord, being with God's people in God's presence. He wants you to be a healthy Christian, but he also wants you to be a healthy spouse. So next to God, next to God, my wife is the next priority. My time She's gonna say amen here in a second. My time, my energy, and my money, you can say amen, Pam, um, needs to go to her before anybody else. You know, for most of us, though, you know what it is? Like work. Work is one or two. And what happens is our relationship with God and our relationship with our spouse really pays a price. Now, I'm not saying don't work. All right, I'm not saying that. But Pam is ultimately my priority. So healthy Christian, healthy spouse. Here's a third, healthy relationship with children and grandchildren. Here's what I wanna say about that. You need not have a relationship with your kids like a herd. You need to know them individually, each kid, and have an individual relationship which takes time and energy. So I have two kids, Lauren, Logan. Like I need to have relationship with each of them because they are both very, very different people. Uh, they're not the same person. The way, they, the way they act and their needs and what they, they need for me are very, very different. So I don't have to just say, all right, kids, we're all doing this. No, no, I've gotta know them individually. Same is true with, with grandkids. So healthy relationship. Number four, healthy worker. For some of you that have a job, that's your next priority. Now, there's gonna be someone that's gonna push back, I'm ready for that, gonna push back and say, no, no, pastor, I need to be the provider. Like, work needs to be up on the list. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about providing not just the financial. You need to provide the emotional, the spiritual, the ministry of presence in the home, the architect of the family. You need to plan to care for the whole person, not just the financial. So healthy worker. Here's the last thing, healthy, uh, healthy church member. What's this mean? Where do I serve? What's my spiritual gift? How can I be a blessing to others? And you know, for me, four and five are one and the same. So this is like the audience uh, participation portion of our, our show today. Um, what, um, what else could be put on the list besides these five things? We need to be healthy, and you can shout it out. What else needs to be there? Yeah, friends, that's a good one, all right? Healthy friendships. Somebody else? 
health, be a healthy citizen, yeah? Somebody else? There you go. Be a healthy neighbor, that's a good one. Uh, how about uh, hobbies, healthy hobbies? We could just add to the list over and over. And what happens is when our priorities get inverted, guess what happens? Everything else suffers. So I wanna give you now some principles. This is practical. Principles when it comes to priorities. Here's the first one I wanna give you. Someone or something will pick your priorities, so let it be you. Let it be you. Some of you are adults, but you let your extended family set the agenda. Some of you let pushy, domineering people in your lives, and you let them decide your priorities. For some of you, you go from crisis to crisis, emergency to emergency. Whatever hurts the most at the moment becomes the priority in that on that occasion. So someone's gonna pick the way your life is gonna go. Your priorities, let it be you. Let it be you. Here's the second thing. A value is what you care about. A priority is what you do. I already covered this, but let me say this. Every Christian I ever talk to says that my relationship with God is my first priority. Is it? Is it? How is Bible reading? How is church attendance? How is your prayer life? You say, not good. Well, then it's just a value. It's not a priority. Here's a third principle I wanna give you. You have to learn to say no so that you can say yes. Yeah, there are certain things that God wants you to say yes to, so in order to do those things and prioritize those things, you're gonna have to say what? No, say it again. Yeah, some of you need to say no a whole lot more. Um, so you can say yes to the things God wants you to do. Here's Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Some of you walk around like, I just don't wanna let anybody down. I just don't like conflict. I don't wanna disappoint. So, so yes, anyone who asks me, yes, I'll do it. You know, will you go to the store for me? Yes. Will you watch my cat? Yes. You do, and you just run around over and over and over. If you say yes to everything, then you'll have to say no to the things that God is asking of you. Can we just get this straight right now? You and I, we are finite human beings. You only have so much time, so much energy, so much money. If you say yes to everything, you will accomplish nothing. See, it's seeking those priorities, allocating your time, energy, life, resources accordingly. Some of you, there are things and people you've said yes to, you need to say no to, because you're in a different season of life. They're in a different season of life. It's changed. So what was formerly yes now has to be no. You have to kindly say, I love you. I just can't do that for you any longer. Here's number four. Everyone and everything is important, but not everyone and everything is equally important. How do you know that you're not living according to your priorities? Because certain things and people start getting pushed out and there's jealousy. Now, I'm gonna ask you this question. First service, like, got like a 50% on it. We'll see how you do. Um, is jealousy a bad thing? Yes or no? Wow, you guys kind of failed too, no offense. All right? Um, there, there is godly and ungodly jealousy, right? Like I was reading in my Bible plan this morning, maybe you read it too in Exodus 20, where it says God is a jealous God. 
You know what that means? He wants to be priority. And if he's not the priority, he experiences jealousy. What happens is, if we don't live according to our priorities, people start to get jealous and angry and frustrated and hurt and disappointed because something or someone was in their place. And they come along and say something like this, I don't feel like I'm a priority to you anymore. So who are you jealous of? What are you jealous of? So let's say a couple, they go out, you go out on a date night. You're sitting at the table, you're there, she's across from the table, and all of a sudden, the phone rings. You haven't had a date night in like six months. Shame, 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 by the way. But you haven't had a date night in six months. Phone rings. Guy, what do you do? Do you pick it up? You look at it. It's a call from work, and it's always important. Uh, Do you pick it up? You're like, honey, it'll just be a minute. 30 minutes later, you're still on the phone. This isn't gonna go well for you. Is she gonna get jealous? Yeah, she's gonna get jealous. See, somebody cut in line, but guess what? You allowed it. Somebody is always gonna try to cut in line, but you're responsible for the line. Healthy boundaries. See, I wanna love God And I wanna love people who are my first priorities. So here's what I'm telling you. I am jealous for your marriage. There are seasons when your marriage might end and it's gone forever. There are seasons in your parenting when your kids are going to leave. If you miss those wonderful moments and memories, uh, you miss them forever. I want you to be focused on those because I love you and I love your family. And you need to prioritize the people and things that are most important in your life, starting with God and starting with other people. We all need to do that, else life is gonna pass us by. We aren't gonna accomplish anything. So, last point, take your next steps. I wanna point to the Gospel of John now, chapter five, verse 36, talking about Jesus. He says, I have a greater testimony than John's because of the works that the Father has given me to accomplish. These very works I am doing testify about me that the Father has sent me. Jesus says, I know what I'm supposed to do. And this is, a, this is a crazy statement because he says, this is the only thing that I'm doing. See, it's hard to walk in God's will if you don't know God's will. And I want you to think about this. We look at Jesus and say, look at all the people he healed. But I would say to you, look at all the people he didn't heal. Look at all the people that Jesus ministered to. Look at all the people Jesus didn't minister to. He didn't do everything for everyone. He did what the Father asked him to do. Now, there'll be one of you lovely church people who'll say, Pastor, can we have a Bible study for people at 5.30 a.m. on Tuesday mornings, and can you lead it? No. I love you, but I'm not doing it unless God has called me to do it. Listen, we as a church, we cannot minister and meet the needs of every little subgroup in the greater Laurel and Prince George's County area. We can't do it. We should only do those things where we believe that God has led and called us to do, not just because somebody wants us to do them. You know, believe it or not, you know, you might think I'm making this up. There's somebody that wants a ministry here like, for four o'clock or six in the morning or three in the afternoon or six at night, every day of the week here, every day of the week. 
And you're like, don't you love people? Yeah, but I love God first. He's called me to do some things, and one of those things is to love him and to love my wife and love my family and love other people that he's called me to minister to. You say, how do you know what to do? This is where silence and solitude and fasting come into play. Lord, what are the things I need to be doing? Those are the works you've called me to do. You can't do everything. I can't do everything. We as a church shouldn't be obligated to do everything. But there are certain things he's called us to do. We should do those well. Ephesians 2 says this. You know this verse, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. There's the work part, lest anyone should boast. But we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus. What? To do works. To do the works he's called us to do. You're like, what are those things? Like, I'm a pastor, high priority. I'm a husband to Pam, higher priority. I'm a follower of God, highest priority. God, what are the works that I can do in this season? Some of you, it's not that you're doing bad things, it's just you're doing things that God didn't ask you to do and you wonder why you've overextended yourself. Proverbs 14, 15 says this, the inexperienced one believes anything, but the sensible one watches his steps. I like that. See, any journey, we gotta figure out the steps along the journey. My question for you, what's your next step? What's your next step? Some of you, your next step is you need to call out on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. That's your next step. For others of you, you need to get plugged into the local body, the church. You need to see what it's about to be part of a body that cares and loves and prays where you can use your gifts. Some of you, that's your next step. For some of you, your next step is to have a healthy relationship with your kids or your spouse or with God. That is your next step. Whatever your next step is, put that step in there. Say, this is my next step. For some of you, your next step is to like have some fun in your life, like to put a little margin in your life. You know, a lot of parents, they plan chores for their kids, but not fun time. They plan bedtime, but not fun time. See, here's something that I'm learning, even at, at my age. Every time I put something on my plate, I try to take something else off. Because guess what happens? The longer you live, the more plates you have, the more people you know, the longer your list will be. Not everything on that list is a priority. So know what you should be doing. And for me, some of you know this, you think I'm weird in multiple ways, but for me, I put all my plans my annual plan, my weekly plan, everything I want to accomplish, I put in this book. Yeah, you're like, well, I'm a computer person, wonderful. I put it in this book. Do you know why I put it in this book? Because the Russians can't hack it, amen? <laughs> um, it allows me to get silence and solitude without technology. Listen, I lose this book I am gonna be a mess. So I guard this thing with my life. All this is is a moleskin book. I buy one every year. I put all my plans in here for the whole year and I write, 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 write and I've got them for every year for the last four years. Why? Because I, if I don't write a plan, I know my life will just spin out of control all week long, all year long and before long, my whole life is wasted on things that weren't God's priorities for me. Does that make sense? So you might be here today and say, you know, Brent, my life's a mess. 
Well, can I say to you, the God of the Bible does forgiveness and fresh starts. He gives favor to those who desire to walk according to his will. You might say, Jesus, I didn't do it your way. I wanna do it your way. Here's his answer. I'll help you if you want to follow me. I'll help you get there. See, God is a God who forgives and he gives a fresh start. And faith is trusting and walking in and figuring out your next step. So my prayer is, whatever your next step is, I'm not gonna repeat them all, you need to take a step today. What is your next step? You need to take it. You need to figure it out. Because that's what God wants you to do. And we all wanna live according to God's plan and God's will for our life. Amen? Hey, I just wanna say thank you uh, before I close in prayer. Thank you for letting me teach you the book of Proverbs. Uh, we've been teaching Proverbs for a couple months, new territory next week. Thank you, it's been a blessing to me. It's changed my life, it's warmed my heart. I put a lot of things into practice through study and uh, I hope it's been a blessing to you.